0: Hi there, you're listening to RuneLanders. I'm Adam, your host and friendly neighborhood Dungeon Master. Now before we begin, a bit of a content warning. RuneLanders contains adult content, about as much as your average late evening premium cable series. Now this is things like rough language and frank descriptions of terrifying situations and adult topics such as sex work and drug use. We don't beat these topics over the head, and they're not in every episode, but they do exist as part of the setting, so we don't shy away from them when they come up, either. Use your judgment. If that sort of thing isn't your cup of tea, this probably isn't the podcast for you. Now, dig, if you will, this fractured fable of a felonious fellowship's forays through the suave salons and sinister saloons of Byzantine Mina, the city of steel and steam. Thrilled of the adventures of this criminal cadre as they climb to notoriety and beyond. Will they remain merely outlaws, or will they become true villains? Well, I could tell you, but it's more fun if we show you. We're the Runelanders. This is Rapscallion, so get ready, Runatics, and let's roll. Welcome to season zero, episode two. This is Life in Lost Acre, a series of short stories which didn't really fit in with the momentum of the rat job last season, but which nonetheless moved the overplot forward. They feature different ones of the Rapscallions at different points in the timeline, so as we begin, Magma is settling in to Rapscallion's Manor. It's a couple of days after... Nari has taken the deed from Thrasher, but a couple of days before, the Nigel's become a problem and she heads out to Farshell. Have a listen. Magnum. what are you up to?
1: She's probably up on the attic level, causing a bit of a ruckus. Uh, has probably turned the, uh, the combat room and made it like pretty much ready for everybody. Emptied out everything that was in the, like the crates and the boxes and blah, blah, blah.
0: It was a lot of cans and, uh, like old paint and, like, boxes of wallpaper tape and things like that, you know, the, uh, the stuff that you don't really use that you just kind of box up and keep for years until eventually, you know, you move out and wind up throwing it away or leaving it behind.
1: Well, I mean, she'll, uh, I mean, she'll have fun with the, the rolls of tape at the very least. I mean, she'll juggle them and she'll, you know, throw them up and make the make the attempt to either punch at them or, you know, kick them into targets and, you know, whatnot.
0: Sure. As you're uh, looking through these boxes, you move, uh, you know, th- th- there's a little closet over in the corner you thought might be uh, a water closet, but no, it's, it is just a little storage closets um within you're moving some boxes around to see like you know what how big the room actually is uh it's got that dry sort of uh, been away like that that dry attic smell you know dusty and undisturbed and warm from the house below uh but you get in there and you're moving some boxes around and this uh book falls out from between two boxes, when you open it up, you see that it's a family album. The people depicted in this album—they're, uh, you know, they look like regular people until you see, like, past where the 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 hand-drawn and oils and, and watercolor pictures run out. And uh, the new tin-type photographs from the last 50 years start, uh, start taking over. And then uh, they seem to stop just before the animated ones of the recent magic, you know, the Thaumau Industrial Revolution era ones, the, uh, the ones that move and talk and make noise. But uh, these ones, like, the people look like human beings, perhaps a little thicker in build, but uh, it's when you see them pictured next to other things like horses where, uh, you know, there's a picture of the patriarch and his oldest son and uh, the boy is, you know, like a letter, which you can't read because the photos just faded too much by this point. But uh, it appears to be some sort of acceptance letter, and the, the father's sitting there with his, his distinguished, you know, gray whiskers and his bowler hat and his, you know, his, his fashionable suit from a boat. By the look of it, probably forty to forty-five years ago. Um, and like the neighborhood is well lit, but uh, they're standing right next to a a draft wagon. And, uh, it's pulled by Clydesdales. You can tell they're Clydesdales. And, uh, these horses come up to the old man's shoulder. You know? It's as though somebody reversed the scale of man and horse. And, uh, it's not a trick of the perspective either. He's standing right next to this thing. You can see his shadow falling on it in the photograph. And, like, just various, uh, you know, baby, a, a baby photo, uh, Couple of uh, funeral photos of the old man and handwritten notes that you can't make the script out because they've just faded with time. but uh, yeah, the story of a family all wrapped up in an album in the attic.
1: She's probably sitting cross-legged, like with the door to this closet open, sort of you know looking through it and kind of you know, very gently touching, you know, like either the tin types or like the the pages, right? Not tearing anything out, but, you know, looking over the faces and trying to see if she can't read any of it, more than likely not. But yeah, like, I mean, she kind of gets into it for, for a little bit and kind of forgets what she's doing.
0: There's this whole series of photos uh, of the tin types where it's just like swamps and everglades and you know like the the beautiful outline of flowers that you can't really see the colors of but just the the composition of the photos are outstanding it's uh it, it it's quite a peak like i said it's it's the story of a family's life in one big book
1: she uh you know eventually after she's finished with it she kind of very gently closes it And deliberately sets it aside um, in a spot where she will be able to see it once she's, I guess, finished either cleaning up her training or anything like that. She doesn't want to put it back into, she doesn't want to put it back into the closet. Um, And then once once she's done that she'll kind of go back to you know cleaning up things and making enough room for more than just herself to be able to get in there to do any sort of training that's needing to be done you know breaking down the boxes putting things in the closet that need to go in the closet etc etc
0: all right arabette you are in the neighborhood on some uh other business you're collecting some of your bona fides for uh the next round of guild the next round of guild examinations, um, it's a pain in the ass really, but uh, you're in the neighborhood of the manor, so you pop in to have a sandwich and uh, just as you're about to take your first bite of your hastily crammed together lunch, you hear a the sound of splintering wood from uh, the fourth floor.
1: everything okay up there. She kind of stops what she's doing because she thought she heard something. Not entirely sure. She kind of pauses for a minute or two, waits for, you know, some like uh, some other sign that there's somebody else in the house before she kind of slips over to the door and says, Is anyone else in here?
0: There's a lot of noise here, Stitch. You're just having a nice peaceful nap on the settee by the fireplace, which is always burning. And this place is typically fairly quiet, but now it's crawling with people and there's lots
2: of noise. Why can't they just be quiet? Why can't these... uh, uh. I'm here.
1: Who else? Is there ghosts? She, uh... You kinda hear a chuckle from the fourth floor and it's sorry, Stitchy. Eh? Go back to snoozing.
2: Oh no, no, no. I'm I'm up now. It's fine. Hey, what are you doing? I smell peanut butter. You can imagine at this point he slinks along, his nose slightly in the air, sniffing this way, sniffing that way. The- the way that some animals may do. Sometimes his mouth stays open a little bit and he remembers to close it as he kind of stalks over. He's not quiet. Um, Even though he pads gently, Arabette can hear him slowly making his way to the kitchen. I smell
0: peanut butter. And some of that good apple jam you picked up at the market the other week.
2: Oh, uh, sorry, bet. I, i thought maybe you you were magma i i think i heard her too or maybe it was the mega ghost
3: no problems did she i was wondering what all the noise on the fourth floor was
2: yeah i think it's her up there i think she's become a carpenter
3: well let's go up and see what she's doing
2: yes because if she's making anything out of wood i want to know about it and learn how to do it yes yes
3: here, here's some of that peanut butter and apple jam. Uh, well, I couldn't possibly. Well, okay, fine, thank you. <laughs> so we go upstairs with our snacks and see what, uh, what Magma's been doing. Yes. All right, well, Arabet, you, uh, take a month,
0: you you take a big bite of your sandwich, um, and, uh, follow Stitch out into the main room As uh, you hear keys in the front door.
2: Yep. Hold on a second. Bet someone's coming in. They're using keys. We don't even use keys. You can hear
0: a man and a woman speaking on the other side of the door. Uh, If you want to give me a perception check, um, go ahead. 15 uh, 10 all right um you are perhaps just listening a little harder than stitch but uh, by the cadence of their voices it sounds like nari and ziva have arrived we switched the focus to outside where nari is uh loaded down with packages He's got uh, both of his arms stacked full while Ziva fusses with her purse to get the keys out and make them work in the
3: crummy old lock. I like that crummy old lock. I, I open the door from the other side.
0: Well, Ziva, what you were saying?
1: So then there was like, oh, hi.
3: I thought I heard a couple Hulu's.
2: Ha <laughs> ha. Uh, greetings. Uh, are there any more coming? Uh, should I make some tea or coffee or um, wine?
1: Oh my god, coffee and wine.
4: I'd have coffee if you're making it. And uh, where should I put these? Ziva? got like a
0: load of boxes I'm trying to stare around uh yeah you just uh set those off on a side table as you walk in this place was uh like all grey aged wood floorboards and you know crumbling uh, peeling varnish and stuff like this like two weeks ago right and then you set it up almost overnight to be the rat trap and uh in the past couple of weeks like 20 days it's been well it you you find you like spending time here better than at your own place there's that table everybody's got their own chair like it's comfortable it suits you um you know like as you come in you see uh arabette's chewing on like a toasted peanut butter sandwich and Stitches right behind him, and there's some noise upstairs, and uh, Magma, you hear the noise from the door downstairs, and it sounds like people are here. So uh, with a little bit of hand waving I'm eventually going to have you all convening over a late morning brunch slash tea at the table, and uh, even though Calder isn't here, you can all have your board
2: meeting. Go ahead. Uh, did you did you want some more? Uh, while I'm up, I'll get you some more. Uh, hold on, it's still warm.
1: Magma kind of looks over at Stitch and uh, sort of waves at him gently with uh, a look on her her face, like, "Dude, just chillax, kind of deal." Uh, and was like, "No, no, Stitchy, just just sit down, darling. We've got some things we need to talk about." Uh,
2: all right, Maggie,
1: that's fine. So she, you know, looks over at Nari and Ziva and says, well, I'm glad that the two of you are here. What's in the boxes? Uh, I have to ask. Although, a more pressing matter, she turns and looks at Arabat and says, "Um, I'm super happy? Happy. Yes, I believe happy overjoyed is the term I suppose I should be using about your current thesis work for the guild um i do have some concerns though you had mentioned something about having 60 days now 60 days for what to get your thesis finished and then after that what happens erabite well
3: after 60 days i become responsible to pay guild dues for the it's basically a percent percentage of all my earnings within the Lost Acre. So that means in 60 days I have to start to make a, a, a profit on the Lost Acre, having proven my thesis, etc. And I would then have the other thieves and they would pay me their percentage in order for me to pay that percentage to the guild.
1: So that is not including us to be paying you or are we going to be paying you how exactly is this going to work
3: in order to uh, have the protection of the guild in the lost acre people would pay me but uh, i don't know that you're going to need protection in the lost acre are you
1: (laughs) not entirely darling
4: Presumably, you'll just want a cut of our criminal activities in the Lost Acre, right?
3: That, that would be the idea. Like, I mean, obviously, if you were going to set up some sort of scam and use the Lost Acre, the guild would want some cut of that. Now, what I, well, my personal cut would be a, a friend rate, obviously. I just need to be able to pay the guild so they stay out of our business. Does that make an answer? So, I mean, legitimate, legitimate businesses aside, it's just the criminal enterprises that we need to worry about.
1: Okay.
4: Seems to me we should go about setting up uh, a sizable gray area.
0: Yeah, I mean, okay, so I know how to be, like, do, like, the medium thing.
3: You
1: know, like, you talk to the dead or whatever. I mean, mean, obviously I can literally talk to the dead, but I can, like, fake it also. And, um, you know, it's kind of on that gray side of legal. So,
4: and, you know, of course,
1: if anybody wants, like, me to make them a zombie,
0: I can do that. I, I don't know if that would be something anybody would, like, want, if I could do
1: it. I'm not entirely convinced that that is something I am wanting, I think, at this point in time. Miss Hulu, or I should say Ms. Hulu, my apologies. Um. Uh, oh, just call me Ziva, please. Um, wait, wait. She looks a little... Weirded out for a moment and then she kind of leans forward puts her elbows on the table and she says I do apologize Being this close with people is not something I am used to
0: Yeah, me neither
1: For some reason I don't have a lot of friends people think I'm weird. I cannot imagine why She says fully aware of why. Magma kind of smirks, but she shifts her attention over to Arabet for a moment and sort of nods and says yes, Arabette, thank you for answering my questions in regards to that. Um, Obviously, as we can tell, I mean, between yourself and Mr. Stitch, y'all have employment that is gainful whether it's legal or not is none of my business i know mr calder of course has his curio shop miss ziva has her funerary emporium and i do know that mr hulu of course has his legal activities it'll be i think upon me to go and try and find something of my own we'll see i suppose how well that goes
2: I can always use, um, help,
1: Magma. She sort of nods at Stitch and says, Well, of course, I'll help you in whatever way that you need. They're Fuzzy, I don't mind helping you out. Oh, good. You can be my nurse. What exactly am I nursing?
2: Oh, the sick. Um, uh, we'll, we'll leave it at the word sick.
1: She sort of looks slightly uncomfortable and, uh, you know, her brow knits. You can see, of course, the, the crease between the eyebrows. She tilts her head and says, well, it's a little bit further from what I normally do. But while I was in the Ludus, I, of course, was given a rudimentary sort of introduction on how to set bones and splints and stop bleeding and whatnot by my uncle.
2: Oh, fantastic. You're hired. Uh, I can't pay you, but you know it gets you some good experience and it gets you out there. It gives you some sort of purpose, helping the poor, uh, helping the misfortunate. Um, there's a little bit of money involved, but that usually goes right back into uh, um, in, well, into well, drugs and, and other things uh, that are, are absolutely necessary for the job, of course.
1: She kind of, you know, laces her fingers together, you know, with the the teacup sort of in the middle. Kind of tilts her head and nods sort of in understanding and acknowledgement of what Stitch has said. Which is, I don't think I'll ever truly be able to leave the fighting behind. It's, But it is one of those things where I really have no desire to go back to fighting within the lutuses or doing the circuit or any such thing. It's, it's hard time. I left that life behind me. I think
4: I may have some papers for you to serve.
1: Um, Arabet, could you maybe like explain a little more what you're going to do? Exactly.
3: Arabet swallows a sandwich. Well, so I'm going to train up on a, my apprentice, Timothy, and I'm going to get more apprentices and train them up, try to entice some journeymen into the, uh, into the Lost Acre, and then I'm going to charge every legitimate business to run in my area. Okay. And that should set up a background income that will help satisfy the guilt. But the real thing I'm going to do is, well, the boat job, right? And if I can do the boat job, they'll make me a master. And if they make me a master, then we can operate as to our heart's content within the city of Mina Because we'll have the approval of the guild of one uh, in one sort or another right
1: Okay, so are you going to get Magma's Lake be your nurse on the boat? No, I believe Mr. Albert, uh our, our goal at least for me is to be fighting Mr. Colson I believe in the in the arena uh, over at Greenwich. The issue is that Imperial officers, and I know this from a little bit of my background, is that Imperial officers are not supposed to be fighting in such ways. It is uh, conduct unbecoming, as as far as I understood it. So if he gets caught fighting in any sort of illegal or any sort of arena type of of bare knuckle box and fat of any sort that could mean his dismissal. Oh, that's great. If you Catch him. So yeah, that'll be awesome.
3: And then we leverage Mr. Co- excuse me, Mr. Coulson into helping us.
2: And that, Ziva, is where your brother probably comes in.
1: Okay.
4: I think I have just the outfit. Ooh, which one? You say he could get in trouble with the Navy? Well, I have just the uniform. Say, the, uh, the Attorney General, the Naval, uh, what, what are they called again? I'm going to have to get this uh, the language right before it happens, I suppose.
3: I believe it's the judge advocate.
4: Yes, that's the one. Yes, the judge advocate general. I think. Uh, I think a run in after the fight with uh, with him,
2: them. Yes. Either way, uh, how are we going to legitimately bring that in, though? Like who? Do you think would squeal on Coulson? we know absolutely we know, but do, do we want it falling back on us
4: oh i I'll, I'll be the i I'll, I'll, I'll be the judge advocate general i'll I'll dress up in everything it'll be
2: it'll be hilarious. So as the judge advocate you, you're going to walk into Grenick's bar.
1: No, but if I beat the all-living bejesus out of Colson, he's going to have to explain how it happened. The Judge Advocate General don't have to walk into Greenwich; He just has to basically corner Colson, and somehow it's going to have to get out in regards to Colson's activities.
2: The Stitch looks over at Magma and He looks her up and down for a moment and kind of judges her for a bit. uh, I've seen you in action more than I wanted to. What is the chance if you actually don't beat the crap out of him and he beats the crap out of you?
1: Then I have leverage and Nari happens to be my attorney.
2: Oh, fuck. I love this. Well,
4: now that raises another point. Uh, what about taking a dive?
1: She visibly cringes at the mention of of taking a dive.
4: And she we might is, as well make some money on the side of this.
1: I have never up until this point ever taken a dive, Mr. Hulu. And it shall remain in such a way. I will not take a dive of any sort. The issue here is fighting at Grenix. If I don't beat the ever-loving bejesus out of him, I'm gonna die.
4: Oh, well, we can't have that.
1: There is no fighting it to a draw. There is no, you know, submission, fight by submission. There is no tag yo in it's literally you're going to fight each other to the death or until one of you basically gets kicked out or broken in such a way where you're not able to fight back
4: so wait are you going to have to kill or cripple this fellow in the ring then
1: were you not there for the fight with the ogre
4: I won oh okay yes I. yes okay
1: cheap <laughs> Well, I'm glad now to have rung your bell, Mister Narihulu.
4: Well, then, how are we going to get him back onto the boat if he's broken in half or some something?
1: Granick uh, is not going to want a dead imperial officer on his hands.
2: I, I will make sure that he doesn't leave, um, dead. Dead dead. That's a finality kind of thing, you know. I will take care of Magma. I will make sure Magma is in top form. I will make sure that she is healed. I make sure that she is okay. But should she cripple him, I also have to help to an extent, unfortunately.
3: Oh, there's another form of indebtedness that the Coulson will hold us for.
1: And what are you thinking on that, Mr. Well,
3: I'm thinking the more he owes us, the more we can get out of him.
2: And so we are indebting him just to be on the same wavelength and page for information and access to the ship itself.
1: Aye?
3: That's what we're hoping, yes.
1: And she looks at between Arabat and and Nari, and says, between the two of you, I can imagine that you'd be able to get on the boat wiggledy-piggledy and not have to worry about being seen. Especially if, and she shifts her gaze over to Nari, especially if you, Mr. Hulu, are acting as the jag, you can be damn sure that everyone's going to be acting spick and span.
4: I have a crisp new shirt, the fancy clipboard. I should be just fine.
1: But that also means it's going to be exceedingly difficult for pretty much anyone else getting on the boat. I'm wondering, however, it would not be a good idea, would not be prudent to attack the boat while it's currently in the harbor.
4: No, we'd want some distance from the city.
3: Too much blowback in the harbor.
1: I agree, oh, But Do you happen to have any contact with uh, perhaps somebody who might be able to help us? Maybe perhaps someone who else who owns a boat. I mean, I'm fairly good at rowing them, but uh, oh, I, I can oh. guarantee you that the the imperial warships do travel significantly faster. Well, I'm also supposed to go like hang out with that demon guy at the library. So, I could, like, look stuff up on there.
3: Arabet raises his eyes. You mean, what was his name?
2: Zulgrulbul?
3: Zulgrulbul, the
0: archivist of Belimina.
2: I don't know. He was liquidy and inky and stupid. What do you mean, Stupid. Well, we could have given him anything and he asked for some sort of like amethyst or gemstone. I'm like what does he want with that? It's for spells. We gave him something for a spell.
1: Well, that's usually what wizards use gems for. Why do you think I wear half this jewelry? I just thought it was
2: a fashion statement.
1: Well, I mean like that's how you hide it, right?
2: Yeah, and you got the bling going on. I mean, I love the hair. The hair is amazing. I wish I had hair like that.
0: (laughs) Yeah, but, like,
1: you don't know where, like, my wand is. You don't know which one is, like, which one is something I would use for, like, a spell, or which one is just something that's meant to look good. So that's sort of the idea. Either way. So that's probably why.
2: Ah, I see. Either way. You said you wanted to go and visit him like have you met him like what what
0: not yet
2: well it can't hurt just be wary about what you're trafficking and trading with that inky bastard
0: well yeah but i could look at like
1: maps like where they're coming
3: Oh, yeah. And you know what else we need from the archivist? A ship plan. Oh, yeah, I can do that.
2: Is there any... Bet. Is is there any legwork we should be doing leading up to this? I mean, Maggie here has got to get ready for the fight. The lawyer over there has to get ready for that. Ziva's going to have to go talk. Is there anything else we should be doing? Any... Like, anything? Anything come to
3: mind? Yeah, we're going to need some equipment. And I'm going to have to try and find a pirate that's willing to help us out. So
2: I, I do know that the halflings uh, and as well as the goblins tend to do a lot of trade out of port. And they got two different harbors, for what I understand, two different areas of the docks, and they unload and load ships quite frequently. They may know of some pirates. They're just saying.
1: Well, at the very least, we may be able to speak with any number of the uh, newfound companions over at the Took Distillery and Brewery. Perhaps. Mickey may be able to help us out, if not, maybe one of his companions, if they're still not pissy at us, if you catch my drift.
2: And with
0: that, there's a hammering on the door.
2: Oh Of course, why not? Did we not give Calder a fucking key? I'm
0: sure Calder does have a key. And uh, this hammering seems to be coming from about naval height.
2: Everybody. Uh, shall I get it?
1: No, I can go get it. That's fine, Stitchy. You've been doing a lot of running around. I like running. You're going to give yourself the zoomies, Mr. Stitch. Sit down. And she... Yeah. Uh, she uh, kind of chuckles a little bit and, you know, motions for him to stay down and she'll, uh, she'll get up and kind of go over to the door. And it's like there is no squeak on the floor wherever she wherever she steps, right? Her feet are bare. You cannot hear a damn thing. And she, you know, goes over to the door, opens it, looks down and says, may I help you?
0: Ah uh, yes, well, uh, good good afternoon to you, madam. Um, looking for Miss um, Magma, if it pleases you.
1: One of her eyebrows raises very, very, very high. She kind of tilts her head a little bit and says, "Well, who's asking and why?"
0: Well, now, ma'am, my, my name is Thomas uh, Underhill. I'm a mason and uh, a millwright by trade. And uh, I've recently been uh, living along with everyone else in Littleton. now. It's come to our understanding through Mr. Burley, that your Mr. Calder or Mr. Calder of your firm is looking, uh, well, he's he's looking to give away uh, pieces, places to live for honest tradesmen. Well, and he looks over his shoulder and there down the street, are, is wagon load after wagon load it's assembled halflings in all of their glory um, each one like there's wagons that are loaded with tools and other belongings and they are uh, they back up down the street off towards the distillery district
1: she blinks repeatedly um, her jaw almost starts to kind of open until she catches it uh, <clears throat> She looks down at Thomas and sort of nods slowly and says, A a pleasure to meet your acquaintance, sir. I am Miss Magma. Um, Could you excuse me for one moment? Mr. Calder is not here. He is probably over at his curio shop over in Queensbridge, I believe it is. Um, Would you kindly... Give me a moment uh, to speak with the rest of my compatriots, and we will see if we can't find you, perhaps, and your people some lodgings by this by by the end of the hour, at the very least.
0: Well, we we've got nothing but time, madam. Oh, I've oh, been told to find the Mister Nari Hulu if he's available.
1: Oh, you might as well come in, darling. Take your shoes off.
0: Well, not that I'd ever wear them, ma'am. Um, and he comes walking in, he wipes his feet off And the welcome mat. and then again on the inside mat, as is the halfling Custom
1: She uh, kind of walks behind him A couple of steps before she You know, steps off to go towards her Seat and says uh, Mr. Hulu, this is um, Tommy Underhill is that, correct, is that correct, sir? That's correct, ma'am uh, Seems to be a A uh, Millwright and and Mason, uh, someone known to Burley Took Senior. Apparently, Mr. Calder had been speaking with him, and he also, this fine gentleman, needs to have a discussion with you, Mr. Hulu.
4: Oh, yes. I'll stand up and walk over and uh, offer my hand
1: okay so he walks up and
0: shakes your hand firmly like a good tradesman's grip is uh mr hulu is it my name is thomas uh, underhill sir i'm uh well i've been the appointed foreman of the uh the crew who's come to uh take mr collar up on your kind uh, kind offer of lodgings in return for construction work
4: oh excellent well, I, I believe the uh, the quarters uh, are around back. Um, I'll start leading him through the same route that I took, Mickey.
0: Except you don't shove him down the back stairs, but out the back door you go. Now, the first, this block of Lost Acre, this door opens up onto a door yard, which, um, you know, there are various places boxes for plants and that sort of thing and it does get a fair amount of sun at midday uh, it's shaded the rest of the day so like you can see it was a collection of beautiful townhomes like manor-esque townhomes again built in the Irish revival style and uh in the center of the block there's a like a, a tall decorative-esque building on the outside, but uh, you know it's the servants' quarters, right? So when there was humans living there, they were really cramped and whatnot. They, it was more like, well, let's see if we can fit them into this decorative piece than anything else. But with halflings, the uh, they're exactly the right size. They're spacious and accommodating, right? So you show them through the alleys and you know, they get a couple of guys to, for, like, to open up and get some of the uh, rusty gates opening and, you know, a work crew just cleans out passages right away. And pretty soon it's just a bustle of activity all around the first block as people clean out spots and go exploring their, uh, what they're going to have as new quarters and start diagnosing and, you know, compiling a list of deficiencies. But meanwhile,
4: I'm back in the house.
1: Uh, does anybody know what's happening?
4: I think the staff just moved in.
0: Wait, staff?
4: Yes, quite a few of them. Very small, though.
1: What are you talking about?
4: Well, the, the man said uh, he offered uh, his labor for lodging. So, I don't know, a bunch of servants just moved in. I don't know what else to tell you. I'll have jobs worth look into it.
2: Servants. Hmm.
1: I'll I'll have
4: some of them sign some paperwork later if it'll make you feel better.
1: Oh, whatever. I was just curious. Like I don't know what's going on. Well, at the very least, it is nice to be able to have neighbors for once. Uh, I don't know. I don't think I've been getting out enough from the house. I've been too busy upstairs cleaning everything out, making sure that we have a suitable enough room to do training in. Which reminds me, does anybody happen to know who the family was that owned this place previous?
4: Ogre bloods. Well, presumably some of Thrasher's guns?
1: I happen to find uh, a family treasured heirloom that I'd like to make sure it gets back to that family. If I can find them, that'd be fantastic. That's really, like,
2: nice. I can, um... I can ask Thrasher. He may be forthcoming. Um, We have a mutual feeling.
0: You know, come to that stitch you are pretty good at quite a few things you could have a look at it you're good at picking people out right like i mean there isn't too much that you can't do if you put your hand to it
2: after all or i can take a look at the picture and maybe be able to track this down
1: well, let me go and get the album then for you. I'll be right back. And she literally bounds up the stairs two or three at a time, just boing, 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 not half-assed boing, full-on boing. (laughs) Um, (laughs) grabs uh, Grabs the photo album and then, you know, bounces basically back down the stairs. Although that... Last flight of stairs, she just completely forgoes them and jumps off the railing to land on the the main floor, and uh, yeah. you know, hands the the album over to Stitch.
0: It's about the size of your average family Bible, you know, one of those four inch thick by twelve by or sorry, by twenty four by thirty six inch bastards. That weighs two hundred pounds.
2: I am very familiar with my grandmother's books.
0: All right. Well, it's, it's much like one of those. So, this is what she comes downstairs with and puts on the table.
2: I open it up. There's probably like one of those clasps, right? Like those old silver clasps on it. And he kind of pops it open, opens it up, and starts leafing through.
0: It's brass and it's kind of corroded and green. and You know, it, it's been popped open recently by magma. So, it opens easily enough. But uh, you can tell it had been stuck recently.
2: Yeah, that's fairly old. Yeah. Oh, the dust! What wonderful dust! Well, let's see here, let's see here. Oh, interesting.
0: Okay, so this is interesting because there, there, there's a first page is uh It's a, a watercolor, and it's like a really old scene depicting a bunch of brave raiders. Who boarded a dragon ship and sailed to the south to plunder the soft, fat lands of the elves, but who wound up stranded there by fairy magic, one way or another. And then the next step is, you know, how they found that their great size was no advantage in the land of Dyer because everything was as big as they were, including the natives. And there was a lot of intermarriage back and forth, and, you know, various family lines crossed. And, you know, they, pretty soon the, these northsmen who had gone raiding became the people of Dyer, but they didn't forget their name. Just as a mother takes her daughter's name, a son takes his father's, and so on and so forth. Whatever you name your son, so shall his son's last name be. Whatever you name your daughter, so shall her daughter's last name be. And, do- and names are no joking matter to the Irish. A name is a word, after all, and a word has a meaning, right? So what you call somebody matters. And so as you're paging through this, you see, like... um you are done a bit, you flirted a bit with uh, linguistics uh, while you were touring with the troupe many, many moons ago. And uh, you know a bit of giantish, right? And a lot of this old script talks about, like, uh, you know, Snorri Jalsen and uh, Ta, ta, ta Snorri and all that very scandinavian method of naming children all the way down uh, all through this line which was weird because most of the other ones lost their lost their way they forgot the north but this line they stayed proud they prospered here but uh there's not much said about it and a lot of the writing is faded um even as it shifts into a a common dialect but using the older, you know, the bougies would uh, affect high class by using Elven script to write common phrases. And uh, on the last few pages of this, you can tell that's what it is. It's a family that's done well for themselves, um, financially anyway, but which seems to have fallen on hard times. Um, You can tell because... As this, like the story starts with this great journey, and just kind of peters out as people disappear from the tin types, until finally the last few pages are empty.
2: Oh, huh. it's kind of sad. He slowly closes the book and uh, gives them a little bit of insight into what he's read. Uh, I take it that Speaking then, of insight.
0: Then. Speaking of insight, can I get you to roll that for me after that explanation?
2: sure thing here we go 14
0: okay um as you close the book one of the tin types slabs closed and you just catch a profile of the uh last generation's young father throwing his baby son up into the air um it's like i mentioned before the incongruous thing is that You know, it looks like a regular human family with everything around them scaled down, right? So the baby they're throwing into the air is the size of a seven-year-old child, you know? And this dude is like seven foot six. You know, he's just a great big, strong dude, but like, you know, dressed in city clothes like they're city folk. And uh, in that bougie script with the, like the, you, you can't really make out what it says in the script, but the father is turned in profile, and that profile just twigs something in your mind. And the last time you saw a profile like that, it was mashing goblins into the, the mat at Granix.
2: So just before he closes the book, he stops, tilts his head, and opens it up again ever so slightly. I'll be a monkey's uncle. And most of you people are monkeys' uncles. He leans the book forward and he kind of points towards the profile. Coulson.
1: Magma kind of leans forward a little bit, looking at the photo that Stitchy has pointed out. And she's, uh, you know, like her brow knits again and she, well, I'll be a monkey's uncle. Yeah, I do believe you are correct there, Stitchy. Um, wait, wait. who is it?
2: It's Coulson. Look at, I mean the the it, it's almost a spitting image of him. Like it doesn't say his name, but looks just like him. It makes perfect sense. Mm-hmm. The Irish are giant born, or as I like to call them, ogre blood. But yeah, it this was their home, or at least partially. I think we should go. Uh, Megma, you were you were cleaning up and found this, right?
1: Yeah, that's correct. It was tucked into the uh, the closet in the attic.
2: So all of this that I've been able to look at would suggest that this family fell on hard times and probably had to sell this house and go off making a living somewhere else. This is their house. This is where they lived. This may have more secrets.
1: Well, uh-huh. uh suppose I could go and check the attic. Zeva, what, uh, what are your thoughts? I want to go underneath. I have always wanted to find a house with a secret room in it. I want to go in the basement. You check the downstairs, I'll continue checking the upstairs.
2: And I'll make more tea, right?
0: Now this next tale is called Bat Borrows Boots. But before we get to the borrowing first, we must discuss Jeheris. So when we speak of Jeheris, we have to speak of him not a savage gladiator but as clan leader, you know, as number example, the zero example to look for in Balimina orcs. You see, because he remembers what old ways are, but still makes room for new ways. This has always been Orkish way. And so, we see him as he walk along Fish Street, and he turned down Copper Penny Road. And he stopped by a cart, and he stand and he looked to see where the sun goes. And he see that the sun is born off all of the mist. And so he looked to the lady at the cart. And she smiled at him. And he smiled back at her. And she cannot smile anymore. Because Jahiris teeth is so beautiful you see. And when she has had a look. And she stick her hand out. Jahiris give her two gold. And she gave him flower from the cart. She take his head you know, dirt on bottom for, you know, for planting garden. So, he take and he go down the street and he stop for skewer of rat and he stop to talk to shoe polish and he stop to talk to barber. He's, <laughs> not today, Mr. Barber. You will catch me sometime, but it is not this day. And so he walked. And Jay is a beautiful time with little red flower in bagging hand. And by and by he turned corner, you see. And when he turned corner, he walked up the street and there is a big house. The big house. It is 90 feet tall. It's built for giants, yes, you see? And whole yard in front is choked with weeds and brambles. He's been empty a long time. He think, maybe it's a good idea for to put in garden. And he go, he walk out the door, and he spiff his tie, and the barber did not get him, no sir. He smoothed his hair, he check his beard, he straight his shoulders, and he go to open the door, when all of a sudden the door opens, and Magma, you're just on your way out. To uh, see to some of that fucking bramble out front.
1: Uh, there is a moment of uh, weirdness that, because she's not expecting anybody to be on her front porch, and is like, "Oh, I did. Is it? With di- it?" Oh, hello. Genius. Yes, hello, Magma. Hi. She peers outside, looks to the left, looks to the right looks at him sort of like, what are you doing outside of bronze Tusk sort of look? And is like, Oh, yes. Oh, um, hello. Is this,
0: this is new dress you are, you are wearing? Jaehaerys thinks he's very sly for say this. Maybe he'd cover up how awkward he seems, but he's still plant in hand. His backup planned well to go. He look at magma with one eye, and then he remembers. He his plant and he says oh hello magma yes i was walking today you see go for get fish for salad he's big seller this week since radio Ed you know have you heard
1: i have indeed and i was a matter of fact going to come down tonight
0: oh and you hear his feel his ears flush he is so happy to hear and then he remember again he has plant. And he said, Oh yes. So I walk and I see a woman. She sell all the flowers and plants for garden. And I remember you have new garden and there is no plants in garden. So I bring you plant for garden. Here you like his little red flower. Hold it holding in hands for, for just one second. And when he opens up his great big mitt, there's a little fire lily in there. And it's just a little budding one it's just done its first bloom and these are everywhere where you grew up there's fields and fields of them right they're actually kind of your favorite because they flicker for a little while after you pluck them off the flower right so as the petals fall in a breeze it looks like little sparks cascading out over the fields at in the evening and it's quite beautiful but uh you didn't know these things could survive in Bailey Mina And this one doesn't look like it's too well. I mean, it's, it's budded, but it doesn't look good. And it's sitting there incongruously small in his big orcish hand. And so he opens hand and holds out for magma. And he say, um, here you go for plant in garden.
1: She looks at this fire lily, sort of back up at him. And back at the Fire Lily and back up at him and then back to the Fire Lily. And it looks on her face that she's neutral expression. However, the hair and the soldar are telling a very different story. And she goes, What that I um not appropriate. No, no, that's that's fine. That's fine. Um it's it's very lovely and very um. <clears throat> yes, I need to get some water for that, uh, here why don't you gently give me I'll wait,
0: I'll, I'll wait here, we plant out here, I need to talk to you without, um, just you and me, please, I have things for say to you, is, um I will tell you okay it's <clears throat> not, not bad, please come back, I help you in garden. we
1: plant um, Yes, I'll. Uh, <clears throat> I'll go get some water and some tools. I'll be right. And she rushes off. Arabette.
3: Yes.
0: There's nothing else for it, man. Um, for the guild trials, you're gonna do acrobatics and uh, ledger domain and stealth you have to they're your strong suits but uh if you're planning what if, if you if you want your plan to go off based on the mental map you have from being in the place for the last couple of weeks you're gonna need some insurance like you're gonna have to get up somewhere high and uh quickly because you know it's good the place is it's a den of thieves man
3: it's a it's den a of thieves
0: a, testing the only thieves. The only time you're safe is when you're not touching anything, right? And uh, you've seen those boots that Calder gave Magma, and uh, if they are what you think they are, you they would help. Hmm. Where's Magma? Probably. Over, she's probably over at the manor right now because uh, she spends all of her time there lately. I don't think she even goes to that apartment that was rented a couple months ago. Probably got like, I don't know. Nobody's seen her there. She always seems to be at the manor whenever you are
3: around anyway. Okay. I'll hop, skip over to the manor.
0: All right. So you uh, let yourself out of the greenhouse and lock it and uh, off into the foggy Bailey Mina morning. Meanwhile, Magma, you've uh, gotten the water and uh, whatever you needed to do inside. If you're ready.
1: Yeah. She's probably grabbed like a handful of like gardening tools and, um, has tried to wrestle the floof that is her hair back into some sort of semblance of uh, containment. However, successful that is is completely up to you. Um, and she really, it's a, really it's a tight ponytail at the nape, but
0: a campfire that's rolling over your shoulders and across your bust and down your back and stuff. Right? Think Qui Gon style.
1: Oh, yay. Fantastic. Um, yes. The soldar and the hair are very much telling the different story. If so. Yep. It's all good.
0: But yeah. So, and you've got all these lovely little soldar, which are tracing the curves and lie in the dragon lines of your body and stuff like that. And they're like, they suddenly flare, like they, they can all flare at once. Right. Like as of a sudden emotion, um, embarrassment, shock, fear, uh, hate love envy whatever right anything can make your soldar flare the intensity of the heat um kind of gives off the general feel of the emotion but most people aren't really that notable like they're not really that observant they can't pick it up right um you have to be really like a high very perceptive you know um so most people can't read solar. Jin can read soldar you haven't seen another gene in a while so um as your Suldar kind of un- involuntarily kind of glow up out of your copper skin and trace their way up your neck and face uh you know and your hair kind of goes from being just like worn like that to being a, a campfire which pours down on b- pours down from your brow over the back of your shoulders and down your back um you go out to see J. Harris. you've also, you know, it's a little misty out, so maybe a robe or something for a cover-up, because so, it's brisk.
1: Yeah, she'd probably be wearing something anyway, just to kind of...
0: Like a gardening jacket, I'm imagining, I'm sorry to be...
1: Yeah, that. yeah, pretty much to try and keep things clean at the very least, so she's not tracking okay. it into the house.
0: Right, so uh, up to you.
1: So yeah, she, you know, comes back, sets things... Down, um, kind of looks over to the the brambles and the weeds and says, "Well, there's really nothing for it. I'm afraid, but oh, I'm wondering if perhaps maybe a little bit of, well, a little bit of charred something or other might not perk this soil back up. I mean, I know she kind of looks over at the fire lily in in here big mitt and. It, Kind of looks away again, very sharply, and is like, n- n- no, I uh, know, I do believe some. Let... Yeah, okay, right, and then you know, produces flame in her hand to try and burn away some of the um, the weeds, um, and kind of mix them, mix that char in with the with the soil in order to kind of make it a little bit richer.
0: Jahiris keeps very straight face, but holy smoke, did everybody see that? That was incredible. She had the fire, it came out nowhere, just made the things, explode, The flames, burned down. Very good idea. So good for Karnin. Okay, so keep calm. Now, everybody on the outside... Saw J. Harris's poker face just drop, and he almost, like, pours his fire lily out, but then, like, kind of remembers to compose his hand. He's just, like, awestruck by this sudden gout of flame that pretty much sets the whole garden out front of the place on fire. As uh, awesome as that is, what's even more awesome is the way that, if you don't mind my taking one liberty, as I have to yet adjust you from jenazi to jinn, Miss Magna, Miss Magma, is uh, that the flames uh, that she's cast onto this brush burn nothing but the brush, because she steps, like, just one step away from Jaharis, whispers the, uh, kind of whispers the sutra to light the garden up, and then there's another sort of crackling, lilting sound that she makes. And uh, although everything should be on fire, it's just the weeds and brambles. None of the fancy and nothing like that. The fire just burns pretty much what it's told to and uh, crackles away in the background. It looks at the moment like a garden planted of fire.
1: Sort of happy with that. She um, she uh kind of goes over and starts to kind of mulch the 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 ashes with the um uh like with the soil and then kind of you know carefully motions uh over and says well we might as well get this planted and get some water on it hopefully it'll thrive have you have you ever seen these before
0: um these these lilies
1: Yes, the, the, the flowers. Have you ever seen the things that they can do?
0: Oh, they are little red flowers. He looked, reminds me of fire, I think. You have Garden, he reminds me of you. Do you? Uh...
1: She kind of nods, right? A little bit of a grin. Again, the Zoldar and her hair are telling a completely different story in in regards to her emotional state but she very gently takes the flower and very carefully and very deliberately plants it in the garden and sort of covers the root and as she's kind of doing this she's like well they had they had a few of these back home and in the evening when the sky's just right when the petals start to drop on them they they're almost like this box that come off a fire if 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 you know what i mean
0: and as he tips this little lily into your hands the second it touches like the the second the bag touches your palms um you get like a sudden tingle up your like up the back of your hands and the back of your wrists and forearms and uh your soldar Just it feels like they drain right out of your face, and your forearms flare up, and the back, like your hands, are all suddenly like bright orange. Mendy lights that uh, then go out, and this plant blooms another couple of flowers. Just pop, pop, and these ones burst into flames.
1: She kind of stops a moment and says, "Oh, well, that's interesting. I don't, I don't recall them." doing that before um she's gonna try and maybe pump maybe like a point of key into them see what see what sort of happens
0: the uh when you do this the thing grows visibly and roots poke out of the bag
1: she blinks looks over at jahiris looks down at the flower (laughs)
0: The woman could not stand how beautiful Jahiri's teeth was. I could not get more than one, but she had sign. You know, I've learned letters, you know, I'm a businessman, I can read. Um, but it's called, uh, is
1: bad word for say Jean?" She called it Janasi. And she rolls no. her eyes. It's called
0: Jean Lily. I can never make up which is bad one.
1: Jenny is, is not Lili- Jen is not, that's bad.
0: That's not bad. Okay. Yes. It's Jean Lily.
1: Back home, we call them fire Lilies for obvious reason. Anyway, she plants it, gives it, you know, like a little bit of water. Not enough to kind of douse it, but just enough to... To kind of help it thrive a little bit, and kind of plays with the petals a little bit, gives it you know like a little bit more key to help it kind of root into the ground.
0: Well, you plant it in a burning patch, and the roots just like kind of destroy the bag and lean into the lean into the soil of the dirt lean into the soil of the garden here. Um, as you're pouring your key into it, you notice that uh, like you pour your key into the plant just as a just give it a, a little bit of shot of that gin energy and it responds really well. So you try it again. I think, yeah, you said when you planted it, you, you did it again, yep, yep. planting it in a burning patch, granted, not setting it on fire because it doesn't seem to be flammable, although it's burning. Very strange. When you put it into the dirt and water it, the water turns to steam, which the, leaves of the flowers kind of inhale through the spiracles on the bottom of their flowers and their leaves right it's interesting it doesn't drink water it drinks the mist that hot vapor um you hadn't noticed that before but there you go also uh when you put your hand it's still got a little bit of your key right like it's that's I hate to draw the comparison, but it's that iron fist stuff, right? So, like, your hand's still all lit up when you put it down on the planter. And when you put it down on the planter, there's a sort of a static shock discharge. And you see, like, runes covered in moss, all dirty and grimy and stuck, glowing slightly on the sides of the planter Mm -hmm. now. Arabet, it's right about now that you come by and notice that there's a garden of fire and that uh, Magma seems to have lit one of the forefront planters up with some kind of wicked magic.
3: I'll uh, uh, stop and make sure I'm a safe distance away from fire. Okay. Uh, You got everything under control there, Magma. She
1: has... Stops a moment at hearing Arabet's voice and sort of looks up and looks over to him, kind of nods and says, "Yes, of course, my my dear friend Arabet. It's all contained within the garden itself. Jaheris brought me a flower for the planting
0: garden.
3: It's very
0: colorful. So, you are famous, Arabet,
3: and you, sir, must be Jaheris.
0: If I must, then I suppose I must. It is pleasure to meet you, sir. You will forgive, if not take Hivnak with you.
3: Oh, please forgive me. I haven't been around for your famous borscht yet.
0: We have no location open in Queensbridge next month. If oh, fabulous. Serves,
1: if that serves you better. Magma. She turns and looks at J. Harris and goes, yes. This is beautiful
0: garden you have. We will put many plants in here. You and I one day. But your friend is here, and I must go around my day. Um, you come sometime. We will uh, speak of Rivnak, okay? We'll
1: speak. Uh, uh, sh- uh, sure. Yeah. Of course. Um, you will. Um, you. You will see. Is not bad.
0: I meant to have conversation with you here, but then you know we get distracted. Have fun. See how beautiful plant has come along beautifully. This will be. This house needs more fire. You know, it needs more life. Needs more magma. And so I bring plant for garden, Mister Arabet. Please excuse me. I go.
3: A pleasure again.
0: And with it, Jahiris walks coolly out of Garden, although he knows bad men can have no good ideas for magma. He hopes she will come for Hrivnak, but she is a woman of her own mind, will do what she likes. Jahiris walks away into the mist.
3: I'm sorry, I didn't realize Jahiris was here, I wouldn't have interrupted
1: uh, well, uh, as a matter of fact, did not realize that he was going to be here either. I was about to go out and do a little bit of grocery shopping when I noticed he was standing on my front doorstep. Um, how are you, Arabet? What, uh, what might I be able to assist you with?
3: Um, well, i I want to uh, I want to say thank you.
1: Uh, For what, darling?
3: For your gift.
1: Oh, did you like it?
3: (laughs) Yes, yes. I think it'll be very useful.
1: Uh, Just so you know, if you happen to use them or or you happen to run out, you let me know. I will see about... Getting more of the, the necessary glass that I need. Although, truly, I can just go to any beach and pick up the sand. You heat it up enough, it'll eventually turn into glass.
3: Oh, that's great. That's um, that's superb. I, uh, I'm, I'm almost afraid to use them because they're, they're, well, special.
1: She kind of blinks at Arabet and one of her her eyebrows which is sort of like this mix of of you know yellow orange and and red sort of raises slightly um her soldar of course flicker curiously and uh she tilts her head slightly and says well special as as a very interesting descriptor that about why why are they special i mean aside from the fact that they're a gift uh, i mean they were to welcome you to the manor it's it was a housewarming gift
3: indeed and i feel very warm and welcome to the house thank you um which begs the point i'm here to ask you for another favor
1: she kind of tilts her head slightly back and eyeballs him and says oh and what favor would you be asking of me now can we hit the rooftops? Oh, I thought you'd never ask. <laughs> and she starts to bound up.
3: Arabette will follow. So I, I gather you're pretty good at this.
1: Yeah. She basically bounces back and forth up the, uh, like up the walls between like say the house and and like the next building like the building directly next to it even if they're like more than five feet apart she just boing, boing 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 almost like a pinball until she's up on top of the roof and says you a saying? you're quite good at this well they had me running laps when i was still in the ludus do you need a hand up darling
3: no i i think i can manage And Arabic goes up maybe not quite as gracefully as Bagma, but he can still manage. So in the Ludus, I don't know. I I don't know what a Ludus would be like, actually.
1: A lot of training day in, day out, going through forms for the most part. Although it's, my training was slightly different under my uncle's tutelage. Um, he did things slightly differently than the ludus did. And I think he gave me, he certainly gave me some extra curriculars when it came to my learning while I was there.
3: So it's sort of like that thing they call school?
1: Almost, but you're not sitting at a desk all damn day. You're working your way through forms. It's all physical. It's like gym class 24-7.
3: I see. My job was to get food.
1: See, that was the one thing we never really had to fight for. They tend to feed us quite well, but that's also because we were physically active a lot, and they understood that it's like you don't, you don't get between a gladiator and their chow. I guess not, eh?
3: <laughs> so, let's see. Uh, shall we uh,
1: wait, set a wager? What sort of wager are you suggesting, Mister Arabet?
3: Well, I don't, I don't know. I uh, um, how about this? The loser loser gets to ask a favor.
1: But darling, she she grins at him, sort of elbows him gently, and says, "You're already here to ask me a favor."
3: Well, I have to prove to myself that the, that the favor is worth asking. So, here's the test. How far can you leap?
1: She sort of squints her eyes, looks around, points sort of directly due south to another another building that's maybe about 45 feet away, and says, I can more than likely make it to the other roof.
3: And without hurting yourself?
1: Without hurting myself.
3: I would very much like to see that.
1: Well, all right. So she starts to kind of stretch a little bit and then literally takes one of her feet and holds it like above her head and then lets it go and then does the same with the other one. And uh, I
3: hope that's not a prerequisite.
1: (laughs) (laughs) No, no, I just like showing off. It's fine. And she'll, uh, yeah, she'll make the jump. Uh, you know, she'll basically back up maybe about five feet, take a five foot step, and then boing. Um, yeah. Arabic calls. Can you make it back too? She uh, lands on the on the other roof, stops, kind of looks at him as he as he asks. She kind of shrugs, steps back five feet, and then steps forward five feet again. And then, you know, jumps forward again and makes the distance 45.
3: Okay. So that's not actually the favor. Those are boots of leaping and striding.
1: They were a gift from Mr. Calder.
3: I recall because I recognized them when I saw them, but I, Needed to verify it. Let me draw you a problem. Are you, are you familiar with maps? Schematics?
1: Eh, here and there. She kind of settles herself on the roof that they're standing on and sort of pats the spot next to her and gestures for him to sit down.
3: So the problem is this. There is a box hanging in the sky. Don't worry about what it's hanging from. It's indoors. So it's hanging in the sky. And it's about 30 feet from egress to point of vantage. So I will have about that five foot step you're talking about to make that jump, if it's at all possible, to get to that vantage point, the egress point, that is.
1: She sort of grins mischievously, looks up at him and says, You know, if you liked my boots, all you had to do was say so. She kind of chuckles.
3: Oh, I like your boots. I I don't want to take them. I just want to borrow them.
1: Oh, the next thing you're going to ask is if you can get into my bed, too, huh?
3: Might be a little too hot for me. <laughs> So, um, if you could lend me your boots, I've never really asked anyone to lend me something. Usually, I just steal it. So, uh, if you would lend them, I'll promise to return them.
1: Oh, so there's a favor to be exchanged, is there? All right. And she kind of there is. There is. Think it looks like she's kind of thinking the soldier, and her hair kind of flickering a little bit. She's like, "Is this for your... Your journeyman, apprentice, master's thesis thing. Is that what that's about?
3: Yes, exactly. It's my journeyman test. I'm not allowed weapons or tools.
1: And these won't count as tools?
3: They'll count as improvisation.
1: She sort of narrows her eyes in thought and kind of, you know, crosses her legs. Looks like she's almost doing like a meditative kind of stance or meditative kind of sitting position. She says, Well, I suppose it would behoove me to help you, if only because if you don't pass this, and if you fuck this up colossally, it means that, well, the rest of us are also up shit creek without a paddle, including your Mr. Stitch, and quite frankly, I'm rather fond of Mr. Stitchy. Me too. I wouldn't
3: ask you if I thought Well, no. I'll I'll be honest. There is another way. It's just that the other way is not guaranteed.
1: You're attempting to stack the odds in your favor, Mr. Arabet, and I do believe that that would be something that your testers, that your professors, that your graders, markers, instructors would be... Judging you on as well as your resourcefulness to be able to overcome and adapt to a situation.
3: Indeed. They might also appreciate the fact that I somehow was resourceful enough to show up with said item in the first place.
1: Mm, Yes, I agree. Now, keeping in mind, Mr. Arabet, she sort of, again, pats for him to kind of sit down. Do you remember where you found me?
3: Yes, ma'am. I'm very happy to have gotten you out of there.
1: Do you remember what I was wearing that day, Arabette?
3: I wasn't looking at your clothes to be honest. I was looking at what you were doing to the other guy. Z
1: Also <laughs> well, you are very observant. I do appreciate that. No is um I've been wearing the same things. The same clothing, the same tunic, the same salwar, the same sandals, the same shoes, since I left the Ludus, Those were literally the things off my back. So when you came to fetch me from the mines, you literally brought me and everything that I initially ended up in Bailey Mina with. I've not purchased anything for myself, or gotten anything for myself, or stolen anything for myself, or effectively done anything for myself. So, having someone look after me, I suppose, would be the best way to term it. To have someone give me a gift in return for one that I had given them. To be able to be given a pair of shoes that are not so threadbare. That I can literally tell you what type of stone I happen to be stepping on is very meaningful.
3: I can appreciate that.
1: This means, Mr. Arabet, that your favor will also have to be equally as meaningful. That's the only thing I'll ask in return.
3: Indeed. I, uh, want you to know That I will not, not ruin your life.
1: I hope not, Mr. Arabet. So far you have, so far you have been, perhaps not someone I can trust, as in I've just met you. But you've proven to me that you are a person of quality, and that is important.
3: And you, Magma? I didn't think I could have friends.
1: Well, starting to consider you and our little misfit band of ragtag individuals more than just friends, and more like family to me, but that's also because I i don't really have family of my own, Arabette.
3: That makes two of us.
1: She kind of nods and then says, well, seems like we're more alike than we... Initially, I think, realized.
3: It's interesting what happens when you stop gaming the system and start thinking about other things.
1: So what other things have you been thinking about, Mr. Arabet?
3: Oh, I don't know. How it would be nice to be off the street, so to speak. I didn't ever expect to be taking a test with the guild. And I never thought... Well, I never thought I'd have Stitch as a friend, that's for sure. And for someone who grew up in Bailey Mina, you have to understand the humans here kind of suck.
1: Mm. Yes, I am starting to learn that. Uh, I was literally fresh off the boat when uh, the miner, the mining community, person who does most of the recruiting, Looked at me and was like, "Oh, you poor dear, let's get you some work and the mines, And of course, I was unaware of exactly what that would entail. And he whined and dined me. I'll give him that. He put on a good, put on a good show. But that's not exactly what I got. Uh, I suppose. I suppose in situations like that, and the situation I came from, it makes it very difficult for me to trust people. And I'm sure you appreciate such a thing, Mr. Arabat.
3: I do. I do. So, sister, the test is in a few days, and I'll ask for the boots before I go.
1: All right. Sounds good to me. Again, I'll leave it up to you to decide what the favor is as payment just make sure that you know that it is of equal value as to what i'm giving you
3: for sure something that only the two of us can appreciate
1: she chuckles i mean aside from a you know flaming garden
3: yes and that was rather spectacular i must admit i've never seen flaming garden before <laughs>
1: It's a specific type of flower. As a matter of fact, that is native to where I am originally from in Pradua. They, um, they are particularly beautiful when the pa- when the petals begin to drop off them. They almost look like bits and pieces of fire, or ember that would come off, come off a singular flame. It's quite lovely.
3: Where the hell did Jaharis find a flower from Padua?
1: You know, I, I quite honestly, I, I. Don't know. He said he was walking and that he was talking with people and that he happened to spot this particular flower at a a flower stall, uh, I'm assuming. Um, Said it reminded him of me and that it needed to be here.
3: That orc is amazing.
1: It is indeed. Um, I'm rather troubled as to how I'm supposed to think of him, but I suppose... Give it some time. Just like everything else, time will sort it out.
3: Sometimes the key is to be very still.
1: <laughs> she she gets this impish sort of grin on her lips and is like, you know, that is the smartest thing I have had anyone say to me up until this point. Thank you for that reminder, Arevette.
3: Very good. So, um, Briss went down, buys dinner.
1: Done. <laughs> she zips down.
3: Not before Arabet. Arabet just jumps.
1: What's your fall speed? <laughs>
0: Arabet um. jumps off the side of the building, and as magma's bounding from building to building between the alleys, and through ways of Lost Acre, Arvid just kind of steps off the side. Magma looks at him, a little wide-eyed for a second, because again, it sounded like you know what's your fall speed. So he steps off, and uh, one, two, three awnings later, he reaches out deftly and catches a drain pipe, which comes off the wall and bends slowly to deposit him gently on the ground beneath. Magma, you land. In the alley, a micro moment later.
3: So dinner's on me.
1: Oh, fantastic. Maybe not rat on a stick this time, huh? Maybe not. Maybe not. How about borscht? Oh, my God. (laughs) You know he's got the new snack size now.
3: That should be good enough for two.
0: And off they trail into the mists, chuckling companionably arm in arm. Well, that'll about do it for another episode for us this week. Next time, we're going to wrap Season 1 with an out-of-character chat with the cast. And the week after that, we'll be right back with Season 2. In the meantime, there may be some tricks or treats. No promises. But anyway we don't hear from you by Halloween, have a safe and happy holiday. All the usual people played all the usual characters. The music, as usual, is licensed by SoCan this week. We opened with Oh Lately It's So Quiet by OK Go, Mambo Sun by T-Rex, Let the Good Times Roll by JD McPherson, and finished, well, this is Steam Powered by Professor Elemental and Tom Caruana. Drop us a line. We're at CastTheRunes on Twitter. You can find us as The Runelanders on Facebook. And we're available just about anywhere you get podcasts from. If you want to drop us an email because you're feeling long-winded, we're Runelanders at gmail.com. We love to hear from you, and we're super involved with our audience. So get in touch, and we'll get back. But until next, well, I'm Adam. Take good care.